Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. This morning, as we kind of look at the idea of Father's Day and, you know, the challenges of our world, going to another country, you get a totally different perspective on things. And uh, as we were in Malawi, um, there are issues there. There are challenges there. Um, Here's a a group of kids that would come every day to get food where we were. And uh, just the challenges of being a father are, are similar all over the world. Where we are in Malawi, um, there was a lot of Muslim families, and something that's very common in Muslim families is they have multiple wives. So many of them had at least three wives. And actually, one of them had said to one of our uh, teammates, um, how do you do it with only one wife? <laughs> how, do, how do you manage that? And so it was, you know, it was an interesting culture shock and change. And many of them, you wonder, how can you have so many kids at these events? How come there were so many children? Well, many of them have 20 or 30 children. Uh, by three women. And so it is a different world. It's a different culture. Um, This is Teresa McElroy. She is really the one who sponsored and and really created this Missions of African Missions of Christ. She has got more energy than I've ever met in a human being. She's 61 years old, and she's ready to go at a drop of a notice. She's ready to go at a drop of a hat. She's always ready to share the gospel, and she's full of life and full of energy. But if you get to know her and you get to be around her, you find out she grew up in a Muslim family. She grew up in Nigeria. She had three mothers. Um, and she was number, she was the third out of 23 children. And so she has 22 siblings that lived, um, many others that didn't live. And can you imagine having 23 siblings? And one of her stories that she shared with us is that it wasn't until she graduated college did her father hug her for the first time the very first time in her whole life did she receive a hug from her father. Because in that world, in, in that part of the world, um, affection and love is not really a common thing for men to do. We, were, we had a pastor's conference, and the pastors, were, we were really trying to share with them they need to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And part of being a leader is leading as a father and leading as a man. And uh, the response we got was interesting. There's a lot of voodoo in Malawi. There's a lot of practice of voodoo. And the people think there, if you help your wife with the housework, or you take care of the children, or you carry things, it's because your wife had got a voodoo enchantment and placed it upon you. And they really believe that. They really believe that they can get these enchantments to get their husbands to do their work. So the husbands don't do any work. You see the women carrying everything, doing all the hard work, all the labor, and you wonder, why is it like this? Because they've been convinced um, that all their peers will look down at them. And so it's a different world. It's a different culture. But you know, here in the United States, we have a lot of challenges ourselves. How many fathers are out of wedlock right now? There's a lot of dads. There's not a lot of fathers. There's a lot of men who've brought children into this world, but they're not being fathers to those children. And that is especially true in the United States, and it's especially true of the younger generation. And so we have a great task ahead of us. 
It's sometimes easy to look at another culture and judge it and say, how could they be like that? How could they do those things? But the truth is, is we have many struggles of our own. And God has put us at this place and this time to be part of the solution, to be part of the hope, to be part of the healing. And so this morning, as we dive into God's word, we want to look at this question is, is the church raising godly fathers? Is the church in the United States, are we raising godly fathers? On this day that we celebrate the position and the influence of fathers, how is the church and our raising of young men to become fathers? And so that's what I would like to ask God as a corporate group to speak to us and to teach us this morning. So let's precede our time in his word with prayer. Father God, we thank you for the gift of life. And we know this is the day that you have created, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we want to know what it is you have for us today. We want to understand what it is to, to pray for and to lift up moms and dads as they raise young boys. We want to pray for the single moms that are raising their sons, the single dads that are raising their sons, the daughters, those that are part of the family, Lord. And today as we reflect on the challenges and the dysfunction and the brokenness of our own culture, we ask you, Lord, that we would be part of a healing element, that we would be part of an answer to a broken place, that we would be part of a solution to so much pain and so much struggle around us. Lord, we pray that you would convict us first so that we can be an encouragement and point in the proper direction for those around us, that the influence we have would be used to direct people towards you. Lord, I thank you for giving us your word. I thank you for making it clear. And Lord, you have revealed yourself as our father. And so we thank you for being the perfect father, the loving father, the compassionate father, the stern father that leads us in the right direction. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, for all that you do in our lives, how you provide and protect us. Lord, we ask as we look at your word that we would understand it and that we would be motivated by it and we would be challenged by it, that we would walk from this place more committed to you and that we would see the world as, as you see it and that we would love the world the way you want us to love the world and draw people to you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that we can gather freely. We thank you that we can talk about these things. Protect us in this conversation. Allow this not to be words but actions. Lord, help us to live out what we know is true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what does God have to say? What does his word have to say to us about raising up young boys to become fathers? What does his word say are some of the challenges? What is the problem that we face in the world around us? So why we see so many issues? Would you agree with me? We have an issue with the, the position of father within our culture. The father has been deluded. The father is in commercials and television seen as a fool who has no commitment um, we're told uh, by our culture to do whatever you want. Don't worry about being high character or high morals. Don't care about being brave for your family or protecting them. Uh, just do whatever you want to do. We have a world that is teaching our children, and especially our young men, that, that it isn't worthwhile to be a godly father. And so we need to understand there's a problem. There's obviously a problem. First John, John 2, 15 through 70 says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. We are given a clear separation. 
There is a world that we live in. The world has been cursed by sin. And the world does what its father tells them to do. We have to recognize that there is a lie that's prevalent all around us. There is a father of lies that teaches this to the people of this world. And to, to exist as a believer, we are to separate ourselves from the world. We're to be different than the world. And we need to teach our children to be different than the world. Uh, one of the hardest things for a young person is peer pressure, trying to fit in, trying to be like everybody else, trying to be accepted. But unfortunately, by doing that, so many have fallen into darkness and fallen into despair. And so we're not to love the world or the things of it. We're to love our Father and heavenly things. And here's what it continues to say. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You know, one of the things I recognize very quickly uh, is I am a weak person. I have flesh. I, the flesh is strong in me. Uh, as we flew from the United States, we flew from Chicago to Ethiopia. It was about a 14 and a half hour flight. I did not want to be in that plane. I didn't want to hear those kids crying anymore. I didn't want to see the kids running up and down the aisles wondering, are they going to pull the door open? We're all going to fly out of here. I didn't want to feel the turbulence anymore. I didn't want any more of the meals or the water or whatever they were bringing by. I was ready to get off that plane only to get onto another plane and go for another four hours in the same situation. My flesh was there. I was cranky. I was angry. I was upset. It was a difficult challenge. I was not prepared for. And then we got there, and every single day we would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and we would gather on the porch, and we would begin. The, the, the Malawians are full of energy and always full of life. And so it was uh, drums and, and tambourines and all this noise at 5 o'clock in the morning and loud singing and everything was intense and energy right out of the gate in the morning. And my flesh is, go, go back to bed. <laughs> quiet down. Can't we have peace and quiet? And my flesh was fighting it. And then to pray out loud, one of the things we would do every morning is we would gather in a group and everyone would pray out loud at the same time. We don't ever do that in Baptist churches. Uh, we don't typically pray out loud at the same time. And, and yet this is what we would do every single morning for 30 minutes to an hour of praying out loud, praying for protection, praying for direction, praying for our families, praying for the people we're going to minister to. And my flesh kept saying, just go back to bed. Why, why do you have to do this? And in your mind, you, become, you begin to say things like, I shouldn't have to do this. I'm a guest here. Why do I have to do this? this is, I, I shouldn't have to do this. You keep telling yourself that, and you come up with excuses, and you begin to complain within your spirit, because guess what? Our flesh is strong. My flesh is strong. Think about it. When you get up, do you want to get into God's word? Do you want to praise his name? Are you excited about the fact that you were going to go to hell, but now you're going to go to heaven because God loves you? Our flesh is strong. If there's one thing I learned from Malawi, my flesh is strong. And I want my spirit to rise up past my flesh. But there's a lust of the flesh. I also learned in, in Africa and other places of the world where there's great poverty, it's almost the opposite of their temptation. 
Their temptation is they want and they can't get, and so all they think about is what they want. And our culture is we want, we get it, and we keep wanting more. And we keep wanting more. And we keep wanting more. And we always feed our flesh. My flesh wants this, it gets it. My flesh wants this, it gets it. My flesh wants this, it gets it. I'll just, I'll just get it delivered from Amazon. Right? Our flesh, we satisfy our flesh all the time. And those moments like church or Bible study or getting up early or using energy for the Lord, our flesh fights back. And it says, don't do this. You're too tired. And you will come up with every excuse in the book why you shouldn't do it, why you shouldn't have to do it, why someone else should do it. Because our flesh is strong and our flesh fights back and we're always in a battle with our flesh. And so we need to recognize that it's a struggle you're going to have your whole life. It's a struggle you'll have until you leave this life. But you can manage it when you commit yourselves to the Holy Spirit and you come up with holy habits where you commit yourself to studying God's word, to praying, to fasting, to being generous. You intentionally make those things happen in your life and you begin to control your flesh and you begin to have self-control. We need to teach young men about this. In Malawi, we had an opportunity to meet with a group of about over 100 young people that were between ages 12 and 18. And we got to talk to them about having appropriate relationships with women. Because in that culture, women are seen, like our culture, as objects to be used to gratify yourself. And so there was no respect, there was no level of compassion or lifting this up as a vessel that God has created in his image to be honored and respected and protected. It was an object to be used for your own desires. And so we dived into this conversation and we would talk back and forth to hear what the, the young men were thinking, realizing just like in the United States, men are being raised to think you're an animal, do whatever your animal instincts tell you to do. What will happen in the future if all fathers believe they're animals and they ought to do what their animal instincts tell them to do? What will that world look like? What will that be like? We have a great challenge in our wake. We have a great challenge among us. The lust of the eyes. In Malawi, they look and say, the United States has everything. How, do you know how many Malawians ask me to bring them back to the United States? They want to just get back. If they get here, all their problems are solved because they see on the internet, they see on television that we have perfect lives. Every single one of us has a yacht and a mansion. Every single one of us eats caviar and steak and lobster every night for dinner. Every single one of us has no health problems, and everything is wonderful all the time, and it's always happy. That's what they believe about the United States of America. I, I told myself, I need, to, I need to learn from them and think of heaven as they think of the United States of America. Because they are so convinced that this is the perfect place. This is the promised land. This is the place of milk and honey where all their problems will be fixed. And it's hard to come back to them when they're only eating one meal a day and rice is a luxury item to say that it's not the answer, that it's a lie. And there's almost more problems involved with it. The lust of the eyes. We see and we want. My neighbor got that, I have to have it. My brother, sister, my cousin, someone at work got it, I have to have it. I see it, I want it. I see it, I want it. I see it, I want it. We challenge ourselves every day to submit our eyes to the Lord. We have to teach our young men to not be ruled by their vision. What you see and what you want 
You ask the Lord if he wants you to have it. We need to teach them this because they are they're being led by their eyes, whether it's pornography, whether it's looking at other people and trying to be like them. They're being led by their eyes. And guess where their eyes are leading them to? Destruction, despair, brokenness, and then in the end, a waste of a life. You were given this amazing thing, a gift of life, to be made in the image of God, to be in perfect relationship with him, to love him every day of your life, and yet so many wasted on drugs and alcohol and sex and throw the one great gift that they've been given into the, into the trash can. And so we've got to talk about these things. We've got to grow up young men so they'll be godly fathers, so they will not be controlled by the lust of their eyes. And then finally, the pride of life. How many men just want to be a notch ahead of the next man? How many men judge their whole value on where they're positionally at their work, where they're positionally in their community? I'm greater than you, or you're greater than me, and it all has to do with what the world has to tell us. The pride that leads men to work extra hours and not spend time with their family, not because they need the money, but because they want the promotion. The pride that leads a man to make poor decisions, thinking that somehow that will elevate them in, in the view of others. We need to teach our young men. If we desire young men to know Christ, to know him, and to live for him, they have to deal with the issue of pride. God is very clear. He resists the proud. He resists the proud, and he is attracted to the humble. The whole idea of repentance is recognizing my brokenness and, and being honest with myself to say, I am a lost sinner in rebellion against a holy God. Humbling yourself is the first point of coming to Christ. Until a young person recognizes is that, they, that God did not create the universe for them, that they are not the center of the universe, that they are not to have everything they've ever wanted, but they are to be humble servants, that they were created by God to serve others, not that they were God, that others would serve them. And so these are important lessons that must be taught. One of the things that inspired me the most in Malawi was when you saw younger people coming up to the older people. They would bow almost to the floor. Some of them would go to one knee in honor and respect of those that were older. There is such a system there. There's such a, a belief in honoring those in authority, honoring those that are the parents, the fathers, the chiefs, those that should be due respected. It's something our culture lost a long time ago. Today, to bow, you would be ridiculed. You'd be chastised. You'd be made fun of. What are you doing? Why respect another human? Why show honor to other humans? Why not just get for yourself what you want? Why not use people for your own advantage? We live in a challenging time. These three things are so prevalent around us. We have a great job to teach to avoid, to overcome, to look to the Lord. Verse 17 says this, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. One of the things we have to communicate to this world is that there's an expiration date on everything in it, not just your milk. You know, your milk goes bad, you're not drinking it anymore. But you know everything in life's going to dissolve and be gone. 
How many live for things that will be gone soon? How many their whole life, everything about their identity, everything that makes them who they are, is about a temporary thing that will not matter in eternity, and it'll be lost completely? We need to tell them whether they receive it or not is really not our responsibility because all of us are individual in front of the Lord. Each one of us will be called into account. But our responsibility as his children are to train our children in the way they should go so when they are older, they will not depart from it. And maybe you don't have kids or grandkids, but you see a lot of them and you have influence. This is not just for me who actually has children in my home still. This is for all of us. Every child we should see as a gift from God. And if we have the opportunity to speak into that young child's life, we need to point them in the right direction. With love, but not fear. And so we're called to do this. Because the reality is this. Our boys are being taught by the world. Our boys are being discipled by the world. As a father who has two children in the middle school who's gone to the events at their school, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, they are worshiping the things of this world here in our own home, here in our own area. The majority of young people are being taught by the world, they're being discipled by the world, and they are following the path of the world. And as a believer, that must break our hearts. As a believer, that must motivate us to do whatever we can to speak the gospel into their lives so that they may repent and come to right relationship with God through Christ. So that's the bad side. God has made it clear. There's a problem. There's an issue. We all know it. We all recognize it. What is the solution? Well, if you have your Bible, you know that it's divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the last book of the Bible, we see Malachi, that this is the ending of the foundation of the law, where we came from, what God has as holiness. And now we're preparing ourselves for the Savior to appear. In Malachi 4, 5, and 6, here's what it says at the very end of the book. It's a powerful statement for us to recognize. Look, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And here's what he's going to do. If you have your Bible, I'll give you a moment. Turn there to Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. It's, it's not a long book. I would encourage you to highlight this. Today, this is the focus. This is where we as a church need to focus our hearts. It says in verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Do you know what needs to happen in Malawi? Do you know what needs to happen in the United States? Do you know what needs to happen in Port Orange? The fathers need to love their children more than they love themselves. They need to love them more than their job. They need to love them more than their stuff. They need to love their children. And they, want to, they need to want to train their children the way they should go. And the children need to love their father. The children need to respect and honor the teachings of what is given to them. The children need to love their father more than entertainment. The children need to love their father more than their friendships. Their children need to love their father more than their future opportunities. You see, it's both ways. We need to ask God through his Holy Spirit to change the focus of our parents 
and our children. We need to ask the Holy Spirit of God to convict fathers and mothers of what they are to do and to convict children of who they are to be. This is the only way this will happen. We can share truths, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, it'll be weak and pointless. We need to commit ourselves to praying for, praying for mom, praying for dad, praying for the son, praying for the daughter, that the Holy Spirit of God would break the stronghold of pride, would break the stronghold of selfishness, would break the stronghold of being their own God, that they would humbly submit to the ways of God so that they could have freedom and they can have life. Because the truth of the matter is, godly fathers do not happen accidentally. Godly fathers do not happen accidentally. Do you agree with that? Amen. Fathers don't just happen. It takes commitment. It takes a decision to be made. It takes someone to say within themselves, I am going to be a godly father. I'm going to listen to my father if he's godly and leading me in the right direction. Or I will look for a godly father to lead me in the right direction. We need to pray for godly fathers that can point young men in the right direction, that they can be examples for them. And we need to pray for young men that would have open hearts to wanting to follow a godly father. One of the most powerful moments in Malawi for me was when we visited the jail. In the jail, there was over 300 men in this contained area. At 3 p.m., they would be locked in a room, 43 men in a room with, basically they would have enough space to lay next to each other and fill the room, and there was a hole in the side of the room for the, ba for the bathroom. They would lock them in the room at 3 o'clock and let them out at 6 a.m. They were given one meal a day. Most of them were there because they had stolen food because they didn't have any food. There was a man there, he had, I think, three years in jail because he stole a chicken. There was a woman there, go back real quick. There was a woman there who had twins birthed in the jail. She had stolen food to survive, and now she has five years in jail. And her twins have to grow up in the jail with her. We can't fathom the hardships of people in this world. But you know the most amazing thing to me is as we were standing there, this gentleman came over to me, spoke really good English, and he introduced himself and began to share that he was a teacher, and he had one more year to go there, and he was going to go out, and he wanted to teach again privately in private schools, and he was looking forward to that. And he said, I will pray for you. He said it to me. I will pray for you that God will bless you in your ministry. If I was there and someone came, the last thing I think I would say is, I will pray for you. Many of the people there, I would say 99% of them were Muslim. Many of them, over 100, raised their hand to receive Christ as their savior. But one thing that we did at the end, um, we call him Papa Malawi. That's Russ McElroy, Reverend Russell. He's uh, Teresa's husband. He's, a very, he's about 6'2", 6'3". He's a tall guy. He's hard to miss. 
Um, he got up and he said, many of you are like me. Your father was absent in your life. Your father may have been abusive to you. Your father was not a good person. And there's a heart, there's a pain in your heart that you've carried your whole life because of that. And you've never been told by your father that he loves you, and you've never been hugged by your father. And he said, today I want you to know that your heavenly father loves you. And if you let me, I would like to give you a fatherly hug today. If you let me, I want to give you a fatherly hug. Now, these are, these are inmates. And one by one, they began to get up. And they would go, and they would get a hug. And I just looked at it, and I said, this is the gospel. This is what we all need. We all need a hug from our Heavenly Father. We all need to know that we are valued and that we can have this wonderful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so this was a video of that taking place. That's Reverend Russell. Very nice. So this is what you get to see when you follow the Lord wherever he leads you. I don't think I'll ever forget being there and experiencing that moment. And you know, some, one of the things I, I kept thinking and we kept sharing with them, we kept saying, look, God has not given up on you. He's not forgotten about you. You might feel that way here. You might feel like God has left you and, and he doesn't love you. But he sent us all the way across the world to come say he loves you. We came here just to let you know that God has not forgotten you. And he wants to be with you even here. And you know, if they can hear that message where they're at and what's going on in their lives... What about us? What about us? What is God calling us to do? How can we be even more committed today than we were yesterday? How can we pursue our Father, our Heavenly Father? Today on Father's Day, how can we pursue Him with even a greater fervor than we've had in the past? Because everything else is going to fade away. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all the things we've accumulated over our lives, they'll all burn up. It is only the things that we seek in the kingdom of God that will truly matter. Are we willing to put aside these worldly loves that we have and seek the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength? Are we willing to submit and follow our Father? All of this doesn't matter if we don't apply it to our life. What is the next step for us? Here's my encouragement to you. Would you make a commitment to pray for our fathers, both present and future? Pray for those that are training up our, our young people. Pray for the youth pastors and the pastors and the Bible study leaders and the teachers that are training our young people, the dads of our country. Would you commit to pray for them? that God would give them energy and give them insight and give them patience and give them wisdom? Would you commit to praying for them and encouraging them?
Would you support them? Would you find ways to support those who are training our young people? Would we as a church even expand our commitment to those that are training the young people, the young generations? Would we be more committed as we move forward to saying we want young men to be godly men? We want Port Orange to be known for its godly men. We want Port Orange to be known for its godly women. We want this place to be known as a place of holiness and purity and that we are led by the Holy Spirit of God. That when people talk about Port Orange and Volusia County, there are people there that live like they don't love the world, but they love the Father. Can you imagine a place like that where young men and women are being raised to be godly? That they don't talk about the unwed pregnancy rate or the number of abortions that are taking place or the drug addictions or all the partying that goes on in Volusia County or all the messes that are happening or the police. But they're talking about the holiness of the people because God has transformed a place. He's transformed it with his Holy Spirit. This is what's happening in Malawi. This is what needs to happen here. For such a time as this is why we've been placed here. You think it's convincing them with a lot of talk. It's not. It's prayer. This is not a physical battle. It's not a logical battle. It is a spiritual battle. The enemy is controlling the children through a spirit. And that spirit must be broken. And it must be dealt with. And then finally... We need to be examples, both in our word and our deed. For me to preach this message calls me into account. Am I a godly father? Will I lead my children in a godly way? Will I raise up a godly son? That's my prayer. To see my son pray out loud. To see my son share from God's word. That makes everything worth it. How many other sons need that? How many more young men need to be trained and equipped and sent out? This is Father's Day. We celebrate fathers. If we do nothing, there'll be nothing to celebrate. It's hard work that produces godly men and women. I don't care how young or old you are. It's not your strength. It's God's strength that leads us. Will we be committed to him? Will we be committed to seeing young men become godly men? They need to be twice born. They need to repent and believe. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that a times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is our prayer. This is my prayer. That many would come to know Christ as their Savior. And that the world would not be the headlines, but the power of the Holy Spirit would be the thing that people are talking about. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your righteousness. You are the perfect Father. We all fall so short. 
But Lord, we see a very clear problem. We see lots of young men and young women on the wide path that is leading them to destruction. We see a whole generation lost and just not even an awareness of your existence, your holiness, and your grace. And so, Lord, we ask you that you would use us as a church and us as individuals, that we would recommit ourselves even now, that we would give whatever was needed, that we would sacrifice whatever was asked, that, Lord, we would have a passion for you and that others would see that in us. Lord, what you're doing over in other parts of the world, we ask you to do here, to break up the strongholds here in Volusia County, break up the stronghold the enemy has over Daytona Beach, break up the stronghold he has over the high schools and middle schools in this area. The Lord, that they would no longer reign with power and influence, but that your name would be lifted up, that your word would be taught, that your word would be uh, recognized as the truth, Lord, we ask you that you would use us to be part of your kingdom work here at this time, at this place. Help us to be faithful servants. Lord, allow no one to look at us and question you, but to only see your work within us. Lord, we thank you for this gift of life. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We want to share that with as many as we can. Help us to be faithful. Help us never to quit. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our final song today, I know the Lord works with us in different ways, and he may have placed something upon your heart. Maybe you have a hurt from your father, and you just need to let that go, and you have to have freedom there. Uh, maybe there's something in your life that God is showing you, and you just need to get it off, get it out of your system. I would encourage you, this is a time of prayer. This is a time of movement. Maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior. That gift has been given freely to you, and you want to receive it today. As we sing, this is a time of commitment. It's a time of movement. It's a time of action. And so don't, if God calls you to come up and pray, don't stay in your seat. Allow him to work in your life, to begin to do that healing and giving you victory.